We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast, sponsored as always by DraftKings.com. It is Tuesday, March 27th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Happy 27th birthday on March 27th to Josh Selby, uh, ex Summer League MVP, which I don't know. I, would, I was going to say sadly, that's probably what he's best known for, but I wouldn't say sadly. There have been a lot of players who played in the NBA Summer League. Very few have been named the MVP. Right. Uh, Josh Selby, we checked in on him earlier today. He's currently averaging 17 a game for, uh, I'm going to completely butcher this pronunciation, for the Incheon ET Land Elephants uh, is, in a league in South Korea, of all places. Is it the ET, is it ET Land Elephants or is it ET Land Elephants? Oh, that's a good that's a really good question as opposed to like underground elephants, water <laughs> elephants, sky elephants. Exactly. I think it's the land elephants. Um, and before you say oh, South Korean league, how was he only averaging 17 a game there? Uh, let me read you some of the names uh, he's going up against on a night to night basis. Oh. Deontay Burton, Vernon Macklin, former UNC great Rayshon Terry, Andre Emmett, Terrico White, Arnett Moultrie. Uh, this is a pretty serious league. Um, and obviously Josh Selby, is averaging 17 points per game on 15 shots per game, which sounds about right. He's shooting <laughs> sub 30% from three. Uh, but that's all the info we have. Uh, that'll do it for your yearly Josh Selby update. A lot to get to today, as always. Uh, let's start with the Timberwolves, who lost at home 
last night to the Memphis Grizzlies, who have really made every effort possible to position themselves to not win basketball games. Um, but I think at this point in the season with, with tanking teams, like a win over a team like this, that's you know likely playoff bound in Minnesota, you know, obviously it doesn't help your lottery position, but I think for morale reasons, you know, like if, <laughs> if you're up in the middle of the third quarter, you're not going to get a directive from the front office to, to like lose this game. Um, And I think considering the Grizzlies have are coming into last night, had one win since the all-star break um, before beating Minnesota by eight. uh, I think they were happy to get this one pretty crushing loss for Minnesota. Um, You know, I mean, they, they were helped by the fact that Denver lost in Philly last night. We'll get to that game in a little bit. So they're still up a game and a half uh, as the eight seed right now on number nine, Denver, but still, I mean, a, a pretty critical chance there to to extend that to a two and a half game lead. The good news is we think Jimmy Butler should be back fairly soon, uh, and they desperately need him because Minnesota all of a sudden has lost four of six games. Yeah, um, Minnesota is. I, they are so reliant on their starting five. I mean, it's really been the case all year. Um, you know, their bench just isn't that good, and when you take a you know a guy like jimmy butler out of the lineup i think things kind of they come to a, a pretty screeching halt eventually i think kind of things regress to the meeting we're seeing the same situation in washington with john wall everyone's like hey are the wizards better without john wall and then they go ahead and they lose a bunch of games turns out john wall's really good and they need him um but yeah like you said this is really bad for for the timberwolves because um they are um barely above the nuggets who are going to try <laughs> extremely hard to get in the playoffs because anything other than getting into the playoffs for the nuggets would be in my opinion a, a pretty severe disappointment um yeah I'm, I'm with you on that for denver um you know especially with the addition of Millsap. but if there's one excuse i guess for lack of a better term it is the fact that Millsap has missed so much time right um, they don't have the greatest bench and, and certainly they they got you know they got some strong play out of trey lyles probably better than than most expected uh with Millsap out but like let's say denver let's say things you know kind of hold as they are and denver misses by a game or two do you think it's going to be like a defcon situation no. um i don't know i mean i think they would fire mike malone I don't. I guess it depends what we define DEFCON as. Um, I mean, it would be. I was going to ask you later in the show. Maybe we can just do this now. Like, who are your? Who's going to be your most disappointing team of the season? And you know, maybe what happens over these next two and a half weeks will ultimately determine that. But if Denver misses the playoffs, maybe they're not the most disappointing team. But if if not number one, they're probably number two or three on just about any list. Yeah, they would be pretty disappointing to me. I. I don't know if they would fire Mike Malone because I think he has kind of plausible deniability with Millsap being right. out for a huge chunk of the season. So I think they would at least um, give him part of next season if it continues to be bad for, let's say, the first half of next season. Maybe they do a mid-season, uh, mid-season firing kind of like Jason Kidd. Um, other that than usually them, works. <laughs> usually goes well uh, in professional sports leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, surprising teams... I mean, you know, Memphis, but that's a lot of Mike Conley going down. See, they're a team to me that would get a pass. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, they clearly were hurt by, by Conley. Um, and even Gasol, you know, at the beginning of the year was, was banged up a little bit. I don't know. I mean, Denver, it, it seemed like Denver still had enough without Millsap. And for the most part, was was in the mix without Millsap to the point where you never you never felt like it was do or die with him. Uh, and the other thing, too, is like the West... 
obviously Golden State and Houston are great, but I think you could argue that Golden State has been, um, you know, not quite as invincible this year as they had in past years or as people have expected them to be. And like that middle upper tier of the West, while it's good and while it's better than that tier in the East, like, you know, it, it's not like OKC was a juggernaut. You know, Portland no. until recently could lose on any night. New Orleans, San Antonio hasn't been as good. Like the West, while it's been stronger than the East and, you know, that's kept with tradition, it's it's not like you can look at, at Denver and be like, man, you know, if the West wasn't so tough, yeah. they'd, they'd be in. Because, like, yeah, the West is good, but it, it's not as tough as it's been in recent years. So you can't really – to me, you can't quite use that as, as a crutch. Yeah, you kind of figure when those teams that are basically 3 through 10 play each other, it's like more or less a 50-50 shot. Oh, yeah. It's, you know um, – And Golden State, too, for the last two weeks and, you know, for maybe the rest of the regular season is kind of grouped into that with all their injuries. Yeah, and Hargan's resting at this yep. point, so that kind of – throws a wrench into some things mm-hmm. i think you know i'm kind of looking at this list and I, I can't really call the thunder a disappointment they're in the fourth seat at this point like things didn't mesh as well as you know and carmelo anthony himself right. maybe more of but <laughs> you know but overall they're still the fourth seat like that's that's really good for them right. and um i think i mean looking in the east i mean so many of these teams that just got screwed over by injuries like the knicks for example um the hornets to me were are kind of one of those teams that i thought was going to be better um they they dealt with the injury to nick batum for a while and they're not particularly the deepest team but i really didn't think they would have been decidedly out of um out of the playoffs as early as they were um they've been they kind of made like a weird resurgence lately because the bottom like three teams in the eastern conference playoffs have just been trash um and the pistons kind of fell apart so they got to be up there for disappointing the pistons yeah yeah i mean depends on much stock you put in the reggie jackson injury right. i guess but I'm not how sure. much stock do you put in the reggie jackson injury? <laughs> um maybe like I, I think it could it could be like four or five wins i don't know okay i i don't think i like reggie jackson as much as you but i mean were you did the blake like how much did the blake griffin trade change what their expected trajectory was for you um not a whole lot because they gave up depth and Mm -hmm. they you know like kind of their wing rotation got like really bad really fast without tobias harris um shout out to james ennis yeah james ennis reggie bullock and stanley johnson as much as people you know love stanley johnson um he's not you're playing him 30 minutes a night Mm -hmm. regularly i don't think is is a good thing to do when you're trying to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. um but yeah so I would say the Hornets are kind of stick out as a disappointing team. Yeah. I mean, I think they, the way that they were constructed, they were relying probably too much in retrospect on Michael Carter Williams and Malik (laughs) Monk to be like, to be like really good. And Michael Carter Williams hasn't been good really at any point in his career. So that was a little misguided. I was team Malik Monk. You know, anybody who watched college basketball last year was probably team Malik Monk. Um, and just how fun he was as a college player, I think probably colored my opinion of what he could be in the NBA. And, and it was pretty clear from day one that he was a little overmatched. And all of a sudden, you know, that uh, their bench is basically Dwayne Bacon and Jeremy Lamb. And Jeremy Lamb's been solid. You know, he he was a nice fill-in for uh, Batum when he was hurt. Um, but this team was, was not built to absorb, like, any injuries whatsoever. And, you know, as was the case last year, Cody Zeller went out, you know, for extended time, and that really hurt them. 
Um, I thought Dwight has been a pleasant surprise as an individual. You know, I mean, we yeah. talked about the 30-30 game the <laughs> last week. The game. The game. Um, you know, Kemba's been Kemba, but they, to me on paper, they should they should clearly be in the mix with the Miamis and the Milwaukee's and the Indianas of the world. Um, and I, I think they're, they kind of, to, in some ways are a mirror of Denver to me where, you know, I, I don't think they want to fire Steve Clifford. I don't think, no. you know, I think they shouldn't fire Steve Clifford, but you look, you know, they already have announced that Rich Cho isn't coming back. You know, I think this is an organization that, isn't really in a position that they want to be overly patient. And I feel like Denver's kind of in that spot too. And, and, you know, the Paul Millsap signing over the summer has pretty much confirmed that. Yeah. And I think you, you brought up a good point with Malik Monk. They, it seemed like they were banking on their 11th pick being a right. legitimate <laughs> contributor and like that being a, a significant driving factor in like their wins. Yeah. Um, and they kind of got screwed. Cause like if they would have had most of the players above Malik Monk, they could be in the playoffs or the guy who went two spots below Malik Monk. I was just saying they might be in like third in the, if East they right had now. Donovan Mitchell, they, yeah, like you said, yeah. they could be like, you know, pretty high in the East. And, um, they just fell in a really horrible spot, made a pick that in high, like in retrospect seems bad, but at the time seemed completely viable. Mm-hmm. Like you get kind of like the potentially like the six man kind of a combo guard to put behind Kemba. Right. Um, and kind of, if you need to phase out Nicholas Batum at some point, you just kind of slot Malik Monk in there possibly. But yeah, things didn't turn out as planned. So circling back on on the Denver Nuggets, they have the most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA yeah, going forward. They play Toronto, they play Portland, they play OKC, they play Indiana. Uh, but if there is somewhat of a silver lining, it's that they play Minnesota twice. And, you know, at that point, Minnesota could very well have Jimmy Butler back. Uh, Denver's in Toronto tonight by the way we should say uh then they're off till friday but you know at, at least you're going to have a chance to gain back two games against minnesota right and and if you're a playoff team i think you'd rather or a potential playoff team you'd rather give yourself the chance to do it like that than rely on minnesota losing other games and you winning other games like at least you yeah. know look if we're within striking distance which for them basically means two games we have these opportunities um, but it, it goes both ways. You know, if Minnesota wins one of those games, then all of a sudden they're in, you know, an extremely commanding position with fewer games remaining. Yeah. I mean, they kind of control their own destiny at the end there. Um, right. And, but part of the problem is it's the, la- is, is it the last two games that they, they play Minnesota twice at the end? They play Minnesota game 82 and game 79. Okay. That's a problem because Jimmy Butler might be back by then. I, I don't know, think so. And I don't know how much Jimmy Butler is going to play, obviously, but right. if, even if it's like 25 minutes. Well, the other thing, too, is that in terms of strength of schedule, Minnesota ranks 29th. Yes. So they have to play Utah. They have to play Denver twice. Uh, and then their other four remaining games are Memphis, Atlanta, Dallas, and the Lakers. Three of those four are automatic wins. I think, you know, I don't, I guess <laughs> we would maybe hope maybe Memphis is back now. I don't know. They Lakers just, are a little bit harder than they used to be. To, right. That's what I'm saying. That yeah. one that they're they're giving teams good games and they have really all year. Memphis, we should say, did just sign Marshawn Brooks today. Right. So, and An elite mid range jump. Shooter, felt like I a little think. bit of a heat check signing, you know, coming off that win. They're like, let's, let's see if we can carry this momentum over. We're bringing in Marshawn Brooks. So he'll be with them presumably through the rest of the season. They got him on a 10-day. Yeah. You know, at this point, you might as well just sign him to two 10-days. Um, so, yeah, that game maybe isn't a, isn't a must-win or isn't a, an easy win anymore. Uh, Philly, if you're curious, has the easiest remaining schedule. They, I, they've won how many in a row now? 
Like seven? Maybe uh, more? That sounds right. I feel like it might be more. So they took care of Denver. We'll get to this uh, game in seven. a second. Obviously, the, the Fultz news right. was kind of the king of that game. So, yeah, they've won seven in a row. And their next five are the Knicks, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Nets, and the Pistons. That could very like well be wins, a 12-game winning streak. Yeah. Um, and then they would be third in the East, potentially. Right. Well, their game, I guess the game 13 in that, in that streak is against Cleveland. Okay. So, you know, they could potentially carry a 12-game winning streak into a game <laughs> against Cleveland. Um, but no, I mean, I, Philadelphia has a very good chance, uh, looking at the standings, to you know, end up usurping Cleveland. Uh, the Cavs have, have looked quite a bit better lately, uh, but schedule-wise, you know, Cleveland's schedule isn't all that tough, but they do have to play Toronto. They have to play Washington. They have to play Miami. They have to play New Orleans. You know, all those teams are better than any team that Philadelphia has remaining other than the Cavs. Yeah, this is really... I mean, I was I was an optimist for Philly, but I didn't really mm. see a th- potential third seed. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean... Th- it all hinged on Embiid, right? And the fact yeah. that he hasn't even had like a minor injury all year. You know, every now and then he would he would miss a game for basically maintenance purposes, but there, he hasn't missed. Has he missed back to back games all year? Um, I think maybe. I think there might have been a stretch where he missed a few, but like right. I, I mean, yeah, essentially not. And you see all these like you know like the plus minus stats and the net rating stats these like five-man lineups and they're just basically all philadelphia mm-hmm. like the philadelphia starting lineup is just one of the best in in the entire league yep. and you know we mentioned you know Embiid being healthy being a huge part of it Embiid isn't even having a decidedly better like he's he's having a really good year but he's averaging like fewer points um per 36 minutes which is fine i mean that's they don't need him to score that much but three-point percentage is down fewer blocks per game um rebounding's been good and stuff but it's uh you know just a huge portion mm-hmm. of ben simmons being you know one of one of the best having the, one of the best rookie seasons of all time um which you know for obviously the the donovan mitchell ben simmons debate is still mm-hmm. um for some people still um being had but i think it's personally i think it's simmons Right. I mean, efficiency wise, Embiid was actually better last season. And and obviously you can't, you know, what what is 31 games? He's already doubled his game total yeah. from last season. And the Sixers have nine games left. So Embiid could very well play 70 games, which is, you know, drastically more than I would have expected. I thought they'd be actually a lot more cautious with him, even if he didn't get hurt. Um, and it's been nice to kind of to see him unleashed. And, and even before last night, um, you know, they've they've been beating teams by enough points that he's really not even had to play big minutes you know he only played 23 minutes against minnesota 20 against orlando 19 against memphis and even last night 27 i mean yeah if you can play a guy like Embiid, um who you know is going to carry that injury prone label for a while i mean he's going to have to go through like three complete seasons <laughs> yeah. before before we kind of stop thinking about that um but it, it's a nice luxury to not have to rely on that guy for 38 minutes a night to win games All right, let's take a quick break so I can talk about a couple of our sponsors. First of all, the title sponsor of this podcast, DraftKings.com. We are still offering RotoWire podcast listeners a free six-month RotoWire subscription when you sign up as a new account on DraftKings.com. In order to do that, all you have to do is create a DraftKings account and make your first deposit on DraftKings 
of at least $10. Now's a great time to do that with the MLB season just a couple of days away. That'll get you a free six-month RotoWire membership that's all-inclusive, includes DFS tools for all sports. You also receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day fantasy sports contest that'll be deposited right into your DraftKings account. You can use that for a shot at winning big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018. That's DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription today. We are also brought to you by the FCFL, which is, of course, the fan-controlled football league. If you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine how fun it would be to draft a real professional team. The FCFL is bringing fantasy sports in Madden franchise mode to a real football field. Fans can scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, and call plays all in real time. You can even pick the team's name and help design its logo. These are real teams with real athletes. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing a full season of fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production facility built for a digital audience. You can learn more about the FCFL at www.fcfl.io. You make the decisions by fan vote, and your voting power comes in the form of fan tokens. You can earn fan tokens each time you vote and engage with your team. The more tokens you acquire, the more clout you have. To learn more about fan tokens, visit fantoken.network today. Let's talk uh, Let's talk Markel Fultz while we're on the Sixers. Okay. So I didn't watch that game live. Um, it was on NBA TV. But I know you and I both went back and watched pretty much all of Fultz's possessions Dead. last night. Overall, are you? I mean, are you encouraged? I know that's a very general way to <laughs> state that, but just like a black or white, were you encouraged? Yes or no by what you saw? Uh, yes. I you know it, it wasn't. I, I feel I don't feel any differently than I did watching the games that he played before. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't think I don't think what I saw from him yesterday changes my opinion of him really at all. I, I th- in a good way. Like I, I don't think I, I don't view him like too much um, worse or, or better than I did before. He made some like he made some really nice plays, made some really good passes. He also got a shot blocked like four times. He I mean, did. You're not exaggerating. He got blocked four times. Yeah, he. It, you know, the shots could clearly still an issue as far as like it's it's very um it's kind of like jagged it takes a while for you know for him to pick mm-hmm. up the ball and then actually get it over his head which we all know in the nba like the quicker the better on that um one of his final shots that he took to really smooth had a quick release mm-hmm. um but i i have confidence in him that, that i think he'll be able to get past right. this and he's still a good he's still you know he he came into the draft as basically a combo guard three-point shooter mm-hmm. but i still like believe in his ability as an actual point guard and as a passer and as a playmaker dribbler and everything like that right i mean he had eight assists which was i think probably the most positive takeaway you know if you're looking at the box score and watching the film yeah. five of those were you know just kind of average kickout passes yeah, they were. Robert, robert covington <laughs> hitting extremely contested threes you know which is fine it's an assist and that counts for any player but i mean we should say it's not like he was carving up this nuggets defense and you know slipping in Behind precision back, passes yeah. no i mean they were they were eight legitimate assists, but they, you know, he wasn't controlling the game by any means. And, you know, not to take anything away from Fultz, I, I, just, I just think his, his performance wasn't as good as, like, the raw counting stats would imply. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did think, you know, he, like you mentioned, his first jump shot was an air ball. He got three others blocked. 
Um, he had one one where he looked like he, he kind of went into Paul Millsap for a layup. Clearly got fouled. The ball ended up going like over the backboard. So it looked <laughs> it looked like a really bad miss. But like he got hammered by Millsap. Of course, Urson was there for the offensive right. board. Yeah, or, yeah. Urson provided him with a couple of uh, a couple of assists as well. Uh, but still, I mean, a plus sixteen one turnover in 14 minutes yeah right one turnover um he didn't look like he wanted any part of shooting threes there was one no. possession where i think it was dario sarge had the ball on the wing and you know fultz was wide open on the other side not a defender in sight and you know normally that means you're jumping up and down you're waving a hand or something and like rather than getting in position to shoot he kind of crept into the lane ended up getting the ball and that was the play on which he was followed by Millsap. so like it was a smart cut but I think ideally you kind of want him spotting up for that wide open three and, you know, get the yeah. kick pass from, from Sarge. So comfortability wise, I think that's something that'll come, but, but like you said, his last two jump shots, which he made um, kind of in garbage time when they just kind of, they just let him bring the ball up and, and do his <laughs> thing. He rattled one in and then, and then switched the second and the second one looked much better. There was yeah, the second one looked like a real jump shot, but you could tell there were a couple specifically the first one that he got blocked where I think he was surprised how open he was, took a second, hesitated, and then by the time he got it up, you know, it was way too late and Plumlee was all over him. Yeah, and some of that might be nerves, but I, I think I think, you know, um a good thing is that Fultz even even if he's like struggling shooting the three to some extent, like there's not really a better team for him to be on for him to not be able to shoot threes that well. Mm-hmm. Because basically the entire seventy sixers team shoots threes really right. well. And so if they have one dude who's the point guard who can't shoot threes that well, right. that's okay because especially like their centers, like Embiid shoots threes, Rashawn Holmes, when he plays, shoots threes, Ursan's out. Amir Johnson will take a three. Yeah. Um, every, everyone on the roster. Well, in today's NBA, you know, I think it used to be, all right, you just assume that your one through three, maybe your four shoots threes, and then your five doesn't. Like Now it doesn't really matter which of the five guys out there don't shoot. As long as four of the five guys can yep. shoot, it can be it can be Tony Allen at your shooting guard. It can be your center. If Tristan Thompson's is out there, he's not shooting threes. It can be your point guard. Um, we've seen teams make that work. I mean, the Sixers themselves have made it work with Simmons yeah. pretty much the entire year. So, And Simmons did take a three in this game weirdly enough did he i can't even remember the last time he attempted a three maybe it was a heave i I, think that's his first three of the year i no, he took a few really in the year i think i thought he was like oh for seven early in the year and then just stopped shooting completely oh uh, yeah he took a few like he's over 11 this year yeah i mean he's he didn't take any threes whatsoever in the month of february and this was his first attempt in march and without looking i'm guessing it had to be a heave right i don't know i don't know well we'll look into that (laughs) either way it it does raise the question like you know after this game it was you know you're seeing on twitter well if if this sixers team you know they could be the three seed and then you know let's say fultz is playing 25 a game off the bench like what is their ceiling i'm not quite ready to go that far i would like to see fultz play a lot more confidently two or three times before we start talking about him as any more than just kind of like right now it's just kind of like a toy you know like you know we'll, we'll throw him out there we'll see what, what anything you get from him is a bonus i don't think the sixers are going into the playoffs counting on markel fultz for anything no. um and, and anything you get from him is great uh and that's probably the right way to do it um but we also have to remember he's a rookie point guard you know he's playing what his seventh game of the year if mm-hmm. that fifth game of the year i don't even know what he hasn't played in in over 150 days you know, yeah. coming into last night and I think we kind of have to temper our expectations. Like all the criticisms that, that I just made of Markel Fultz, you could say the same thing about Lonzo Ball. Like mm-hmm. he had a ton of shots blocked. He didn't get to the line, still doesn't really get to the line. He doesn't you know, shoot the three all that efficiently. So 
you know, I, I just wonder like if our, if our expectations for Fultz have kind of been warped over these last few months and it's like easy to forget that he might've struggled anyway, because he's a rookie and rookie point guards generally do struggle. Yeah. I mean, on the plus side, you know, um, I think Fultz, the thing with, especially like getting to the free throw line, I was worried about uh, part of the reason I think everyone was worried, especially about Lonzo ball, not being able to shoot when he couldn't shoot threes at all basically or have a jumper to save his life was the fact that he's Lonzo balls are really like thin guy mm-hmm. and isn't going to take a lot of contact the rim at all he's not gonna be able to absorb it very well that's not really his game but if Fultz on the other hand and part of the reason I was relatively high on him is because he's he's a little more filled out and he can like he can take guys to the rim um get bogged and, and make an and one and so you know, at least in this scenario, I think Markel Fultz being aggressive can work out because I think he can actually get and ones and yeah. get contact and force the refs to make decisions. Right. I think he'll get more calls than he did last night. I think certainly. so too. And, and or go ahead. I was just kind of. I, I looked up the Ben Simmons three. It was a thirty footer, so I okay. assume it was. <laughs> assume it was right. a heave. Yeah, we, you got to be really suspicious anytime anytime <laughs> you see a three point attempt in the box score. Uh, speaking of box scores, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's just downright strange. But Trey Burke had 42 last night. He did. And it's becoming kind of strange how much he's trying to be Allen Iverson. Like you're seeing other players talk about. I guess like, Tracy McGrady was quoted today saying like, he literally <laughs> looks like Allen Iverson out there, uh, which I think is more about like his hair and yeah, the tattoos it, more than his, his game. But yeah, that was another one. You know, I, I think I was just as shocked to see Ben Simmons take a three as I was to see Trey Burke put up 42, albeit in overtime. There is going to be an asterisk next to that. Uh, but 42 points and 12 assists for Trey Burke on 31 shots. Yeah, I love it. Um, Trey Burke kind of just, uh, you know, he's just, he looks at Moutier and Neil Aquino. He's like, neither of, these, neither of these guys want the starting job. Like, I'll take it. Like, I'll shoot until I get the job. Like, so it's it's weird. I mean, I I'm, it's really cool for him that like he was one of those guys who like he came into the league with relatively high expectations, didn't work out, went to the G League, worked on his game, came back, now drops 42 in an NBA game, right. take, is, is allowed to take 31 shots. <laughs> um, and yeah, That's the biggest thing. <laughs> and it's working out. And it could still, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that like he'll be able to keep up the kind of numbers for the rest of his career that he's had this season. But basically for this entire season, he's been good um and so and he's was he he's 25 like mm-hmm. he still has a shot to be a legitimate right like, starting player or at least kind of six man no he's a, i'm absolutely right i think he's a guy that coming into this year you wondered like would he ever play more than like 10 games in an nba season would he ever be more than a guy who just signs a couple of 10-day contracts and tries to catch on and you know i mean a 42 point game on 31 shots isn't you know the greatest accomplishment of all time but that's the type of performance that at least grabs teams attention you know i mean he's going to get some sort of deal you would think next year like he could easily be the number three point guard for any team in the league and there's probably a handful of teams that would love for him to be their number two point guard impressive that he took one free throw yeah 42 points on with one free throw throw. there cannot be that many 40 point games that have involved that few free throws we should also know michael beasley took 22 shots in this game so trey burke and and michael beasley combined for 53 field goal attempts and three free throw attempts frank nilakina fouled out in 18 minutes dear god um last thing on the knicks is is the jury out on emmanuel moutier like is he just bad oh man i mean i think 
I think everyone knew this when he left Denver, but there was that sliver of hope that, you know, maybe the change of scenery would do something. Yeah. His numbers have been virtually identical, if not if not worse, efficiency wise. I, I don't I don't really don't know what his future is. Somebody will take a chance on him because he's still so young and, and the pedigree when you're you know, when you're a top ten pick, you just kind of carry that weight for, for a while. Forever. Like there's Almost. it's the reason that Anthony Bennett kept finding opportunities. Like he was clearly bad everywhere he went. Thomas Robinson had that going for a while too. Yeah. And and I think Moutier will kind of be the point guard version of that, but I, I don't know what team is going to give him like guaranteed money. I think, uh, oof. and he's too late in his career to do summer league again. I think. You would think. Who knows? Unless it's really that bad. I, I think it's. I don't think it's quite that bad. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think he'll be. I think some other team. I think maybe. Yeah, I don't think he'll do summer league. So maybe one like a. I'm sure he'll get a training camp deals. What I'm oh, trying to say, oh, absolutely. And and then after that, if he can't get out, if he can't latch on with the team after a training camp deal, that's when he probably start thinking about G League um, or overseas. I'm not really sure what you would do in that scenario, but he's already played overseas. I mean, there's at least a familiarity there. Um, yeah, I mean, he seems he seems like maybe a future son, uh, future hawk, maybe yeah. a net. I think he's from the Dallas area. Maybe the Mavs take a look. Who knows? But <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the switch to New York has not been encouraging. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right, just a couple quick things. Um, I want to talk about Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. James and I have kind of gone back and forth on this every now and then, and it, like, it does not get any more clear as the season goes on. I think <laughs> through the first few months of the season, Kevin Durant was kind of the, the trendy favorite because he was leading the league in blocks for a few yeah, weeks yeah. and, you know, was looking, obviously was doing things offensively that, that kind of kept his profile high. He seems like he's missed too much time now. Um, I, I think Rudy Gobert, if he, if people don't knock him for missing too many games as well, is kind of the clear choice, but there are definitely going to be voters who won't vote for him because of the time he's missed who else is it like is is mb just going to kind of coast his way to this if he plays 70 games I, I think there's a chance that happens um i think i think it's gobert like i would i i don't care that much about the the amount of missed games i think as much as some other people do especially since like the the games it, it would be one thing if like the jazz were like a little or like you know like solidly better with gobert on the court this year but it's like the the difference of when mm-hmm. gobert is on the court versus when he's not is so drastic that I, I feel like it's hard not to not to give it to him i like since gobert gobert got hurt for a second time when he came back january 19th from january 19th until now the jazz have the best defensive rating in the league at 97.5 
And in second place, it's Philly with 102.6. So it's basically five points entirely higher. And that's the difference between two and uh, like 15. Right. So the the difference between two and 15 is how much, you know, Mm -hmm. the Jazz have on Philly. So to me, that in in and of itself is pretty, um, pretty telling of Colbert's impact. No, I'm with you. I, I don't really care too much about missed games. I would have given rookie of the year to Embiid last year. And I mean, he only played, what, 33 games yeah. or something like 31 games. So that was kind of an extreme case. Gobert is on track to play, what, I think 56 games, which is not a ton, but, you know, it's not like he's missing 56 games. Like, I, I think it's just enough considering how many other players in this race have missed games. Yeah. And there's just really not a clear number two. Like, I, I think. I think Gobert will win it, and then I think like Davis, Durant, Embiid, you know, and then maybe an Al Horford will kind of split so many votes below him that you know there's just not a clear number two, and and I think Gobert, weirdly enough, might win it fairly easily. And this is one of the stranger defensive player of the year battles you know that we've had. Like I, I don't, Draymond's just not in the competition this year. Like has anyone even raised his name? I mean, I think I still think when you watch a Warriors game, he's the best defender in the league. It's obvious, but the numbers just haven't been quite as good this year. And that, that, that narrative that the Warriors have been a little bit of a disappointment, I think, makes waves when you're talking about MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All-NBA, all those things. Yeah, and he's missed time as well, too. And so, you know, because he, he's, depending on how much they play, like he's played 62 right now, um, Draymond has. So depending on how much more they want to play him and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, I think maybe also Durant kind of takes away from Draymond as far as he was leading the league in blocks for a while. And I don't know, like I think best all around defender, like that's the thing. It's like, is it the best all around defender in the league? Because if it's in that case, then it's Draymond or is it just the most impactful defensive player? Because I think in that case, it's Rui Gobert. This is like an MVP. This is I like, hate having, I hate this discussion. These are like philosophical right. discussions. Is he the best player or is he the most valuable player? Right. And so, I mean, that's, I like Gobert because I, mm-hmm. I, I think the defensive rigging kind of speaks for itself. And I think this would be a different conversation if the Warriors were a lot closer to the Jazz. And I think even Paul George would be in the discussion yeah. if the Thunder were, let's right. say, like top five in defensive rating. Um, but that just hasn't been the case. Well, I think Robertson was was one of the names. Robertson and yeah. George were both in that. And then as soon as Robertson went down and the Nuggets or the the Thunder's defensive rating like dropped off a cliff. Yep. Uh I think that really killed Paul George's candidacy, fair or not. You know, I think it was pretty clear that okay, like as good as Paul George is defensively, like Robertson was really the guy that was carrying that unit. Um another question with regard to awards. I think there's a pretty clear one two in the MVP. There's there's been an increasing could LeBron actually win this over Harden <laughs> uh, chatter? And, and LeBron's, you know, played his ass off the last month and a half, but he's not he's not going to win it. I mean, the Cavs aren't going to win enough games. Harden's numbers are better no matter what, and the Rockets are going to cruise to the best record in the league. So that's off the table. Uh, but I think they're going to finish 1-2, and that's really not up for debate at this point. Who's finishing third? Well, basketball than defensive player of the year. Basketball reference would have you believe it's Chris Paul, which I think is. I think he should be. In the, I think Chris Paul should be in the discussion. But then we're starting to get. To get I I don't know. Like I we're not for number three necessarily, but I don't know. We're starting to get into this territory where it's like, should Steph and Durant be in the conversation? You know, when they're both clearly so good and, and dragging mm-hmm. the team up, but. 
third, I don't maybe just AD for the narrative. Like you just give yeah. it to Anthony Davis, just be like, here, man. Like we, you know, we saw you try mm-hmm. and we know you, I mean, cause, cause what he's done since DeMarcus Cousins has been out is, is ridiculous. I think it's gotta be Davis too. Um, I mean, Lillard has made a pretty compelling case over yeah. the last month and a half. And, and I think, you know, Davis has played really well, but his, his run right after the all-star break, like he was the guy in late February that we were asking, could he catch Harden? Yeah. And then, you know, he kind of cooled off a bit by his standards, which still means, you know, elite top three player in the league numbers. <laughs> but LeBron's been so good that that's kind of, that's kind of covered up the Davis narrative. I think it goes those three in, you know, Harden, LeBron, Davis, you know, I, I think, I mean, Lillard legitimately might finish fourth. Chris Paul, I think people will have trouble putting two guys from the same team in that, you know, in that top four, because Paul did miss considerable time earlier in the year as well. It's not like he's going to play 82. They just put Durant, Durant at four. Well, him missing time too now is part of like everybody that, you know, Curry, I think would have probably been a clear top five guy earlier. And now he's going to miss enough time that it probably knocks him out. First half of the year, Kyrie looked like he was going to be a shoe in to finish in the top five. He's out now. Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could maybe give it to Durant at four because he career high in blocks, uh, averaging like six, like basically five point four assists compared to last year's four point eight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shooting the same efficiency, same minutes per game, more shots. Um, and then the, the games that he, the games that Curry has missed and Draymond have missed when Durant plays, Durant's been like amazing, like near triple doubles every night, putting up like those, like numbers that look like prime LeBron numbers. Um, so I think you could, I think you could realistically give it to Durant for give uh, the four spots to Durant for kind of keeping, I mean, keeping the Warriors afloat. It's like, you know, kind of, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but you know, clearly his ability to to play well and be the number one option within the Warriors system when other players are out I think makes him deserving of of consideration on on that spot so what about Russ clearly he's not actually in the in the discussion for for the MVP award this year but numbers wise uh he's averaging about six fewer points per game which which is a big deal but he's still leading the league in assists and he's you know 0.3 rebounds per game away from averaging a triple double again efficiency wise he's shooting considerably better from two-point range slightly worse from three-point range you know he's basically at his career average from three last year was a bit of an aberration um when he shot 34 percent i i mean as this has been discussed you know especially over the last couple of weeks as the thunder have kind of started to slide but like i think there's a lot of regret in terms of giving it to russ last year because it was based on the numbers you know the whole thing was driven by the triple double average and he's pretty much doing the same thing again this year and he's not even in the discussion i mean i think last year was entirely narrative like i i don't know like i like the triple doubles averaging triple doubles obviously amazing like i've I've had this i always felt hargan should be mvp people kind of act like russ dragged his team out of the out of the mud um but if you go and look back at like power rankings from before the season nobody really believed in houston either and then hargan dragged them into a high seed um and i think that kind of got lost Mm -hmm. somewhere somehow um but yeah i mean this year um there are a lot of other guys that i think i i would 
I would put over Westbrook. Um, and maybe that's me overcorrecting, but like, you know, I think, I think you can make a case for Lillard to some extent over Westbrook. Oh, yeah. Giannis is maybe, I, maybe Kyrie Irving, I think has somewhat of a narrative and is way more efficient, uh, field like effective field goal mm-hmm. percentage than, than Ross, who is under 50%. Yeah. We haven't even talked about Giannis. I mean, he, he was the MVP of the first two months of the season at yeah. least the first month and he's, he's averaging 27 and 10 with right five assists and a combined three steals and blocks he's shooting 50 yeah bucks have bucks have to do better than seventh three percent from the, in the east though you, i mean oh yeah that means that's the problem they've lost too many games right um and you know the the numbers with him on the court are amazing um but it's it's just tough when you when you just don't win enough games i mean and mm-hmm it'd be different it'd be different if he was also averaging like nine assists and then you'd right. have the westbrook argument um, <clears throat> right. but that's, well, when the guy leading the the race is going to you know his team's going to win like 66 games and the bucks are going to win like 45 you know it's really yeah. tough to justify if the numbers are pretty similar you know they're they're different obviously in how they how they put up points how they affect their team talking about harden and Giannis, but if there if there was any sort of tie with the numbers which honestly there isn't harden's just been better I think it would be broken by the 20, the 20 more wins for one of the teams. Yeah. And I don't think the Bucks system is necessarily like conducive for generating an MVP play. Just the ball is as much as the ball is in Giannis's hands. It doesn't, the offense doesn't go through him. I think mm-hmm. as much as, you know, and, and so I think Giannis will be more in the discussion next year when a new coach yep. presumably is there and the system changes and all that, that, and, you know, you can kind of start to cross guys off because they want it and you know, it's not really fair and like there's there's no like rule that says you have to do this but you know we're like we just said with russ he has to top what he did when he won it to last season which is probably not going to happen again the rest of his career especially with how that mvp is viewed now yeah. harden has to match match or do better than this you know we've seen this with lebron since he won his last mvp durant you know and curry kind of knock each other out um I think, you know, as of now, you would probably have Davis and Giannis as the top two going into next year. Like if you're Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the Cousins injury. Right. You know, that kind of gives Davis the mm-hmm. a push there. Okay. Last thing. Uh, looking at the standings in the East, the Bucks, um, the Bucks sit in seventh. They beat San Antonio on Sunday. They're a half game up on eighth place Miami. Do you think we're going to see... Yeah, uh, you know this grouping of teams: Washington, Milwaukee, and Miami. Mainly, um, kind of want to jockey for that seventh spot because the way it's shaping up now, there's a pretty good chance Boston is going to be the two. You know, they're six and a half up on Cleveland for three, and they're three games back at Toronto. So, in all likelihood, they're the two. I mean, I I think right now, given what we know about their injury situation, and given one how good the Raptors have looked, and two the team below them has LeBron James. If you're Milwaukee and you have the opportunity to move up to six and you're you're going to go on the road for this series no matter what, I think you would much, much rather be the seven, right? Yeah, you want to play Boston. I would not want to play LeBron James in the no. first round. Bucks, <laughs> have, Bucks have done it before. It has, when is LeBron, has he ever lost a first round series? No. I don't think he has. No, he's barely, I don't think, I think he, he hasn't lost a first round game in <laughs> in years barely yeah um yeah i mean you i think the as much as like brad stevens is a great coach and like you know all that um i think when you're talking about like the the rosters as far as roster health 
um, just matching up player to player. Boston is a team you want to play against because they're down their best players or at least down, you know, uh, one of their top two players, uh, depending how you feel about Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. Um, yeah, I, I, if I was the Bucks, I would want to stay uh, in a matchup against Boston. LeBron is 48 and seven in his career in first round games. Pretty solid. 48 and seven. So he's, he's so he, he's lost a combined, he's lost a, a one like series he's worth 12 of games. and 0 in playoff series in first round playoff series. He's never lost a series, but he's lost seven total games, <laughs> seven total games. And, his, and yeah. coming into this year, he'll be riding a personal 21 game first round winning streak. <laughs> that is obscene. So yeah, I think you want to avoid that. Um, and you want, and for, you know, and all there's a chance that, you know, Philadelphia could be sitting, um, you know, at three, two. So I think you would much rather play the two seed than the one, three or the four. That's really not up for debate at this point. Yeah. There's not a lot of teams that can handle Embiid and the bucks are maybe no. actually the worst off out right. of all of the teams below Philly to guard Embiid. Oh, absolutely. I think they're probably best equipped to play the Cavs. They always seem to play Cleveland pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it's never like where you feel great about them winning, but they at least, you know, Giannis, being able to go toe to toe with LeBron, no other team has a guy who can like, you know, not shut down LeBron. I mean, what did LeBron go for like forty, ten and ten when they played last week? Yeah. Um, I mean, not and and Giannis dude, he had like thirty eight in that game, so it's not like LeBron shut him down. But those two at least somewhat cancel out, and there's really not another team in the East that has a guy. You know, Paul George was somewhat that guy before he went to OKC, and I think I think it's not really much of a stretch to say Giannis is better than PG. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, anything else you want to get to before we close this thing out? I don't think so. Okay, well, again, happy 27th to Josh Selby. We wish him continued success mm-hmm. with the land elephants in South Korea, and I think we'll uh, we'll have our eyes glued to these Memphis Grizzlies games over the next 10 days with Marshawn Brooks on the roster. Yeah. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.